Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Just want to, uh, to again, highlight the, the Pine Ridge missions trip, the, the water drive. We're taking a, uh, a semi-truck up there, and we're wanting to fill the trailer of that truck with as much food and, and goods that we can. And so when you came in this morning, you saw some have begun to, to drop their, their water out here. If, if after service you want to go to High V, there's one right down just a couple blocks away. Grab a couple cases of water if you want to bring those back. Somebody came in to, to first service this morning and said, my friend's coming to second service with a pallet in the back of his truck full of water. If we can get some guys to help them unload. And I've gotten different text messages throughout the week. And so just want to encourage you in that. We, we recognize that not everybody has the opportunity to go physically, but we all have the opportunity to be a part even in just a, a small way of what God is wanting to do as we go up and, and love on those on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And so want to encourage you in that the, the office, if you want to drop them off during the week, the office is, is open uh, 10 to 5 Monday through Thursday. If you want to drop those off, then you're, you're free to do that. Also, there's, there's an opportunity for you to, to give specifically to that. We know some of you uh, maybe are not are not physically capable of going to the grocery store and hauling a couple of cases of water and bringing them into the church. I had somebody come up and ask me, can I just give you the money and you go buy the water? If you wanna do that, I'll do that. And so we created a drop-down um, in the drop-down menu on the app and on the website. If you wanna give specifically to that, if you select Love Pine Ridge, all of those funds will go towards purchasing water for this trip. Um, so just want to make you aware of that. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Amen. Uh, Psalm 55 is where we're going to be. If you want to, to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you want to open your app digitally, however it is that you want to follow along today, uh, just want to, to give you the, the heads up. That's where we're going to be. In our reading plan this week, uh, we, we saw David's life kind of, kind of falling apart, right? Those of you that have been reading along with us, for those that don't know, maybe you're new, we've been reading through the Bible chronologically together. Last week when we gathered, we talked about the, the truth about sin. We saw in our reading last week how that David had taken another man's wife and, and killed this man and taken Bathsheba as his own and thought that he had gotten away with it. Last week, as we talked about the truth about sin, we said that we have to understand, number one, there's no such thing as hidden sin, right? Even if it's just us and God that know about it, there's nothing that is hidden from him. But throughout God's word, he, he tells us and really warns us that whatever is done in the dark will be brought to the light. Whatever is said behind closed doors will be shouted from rooftops. And so, you know, Deuteronomy says, be sure that your sins will find you out. So there's no such thing as hidden sin. There's no such thing as a small sin. All sin is sin to God. We said that all sin has, has consequence. And this week in our reading, we, we read some of those consequences, right? As, as the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, David, you've done this in, in private, but there's one that's going to do it to you publicly. And, and there are going to be consequences for your actions. And, you know, there are times where we come to God and we, we can confess our sin and we repent our sin, which is, which is right and which is what we should do. But then we think that there's no consequences in the here and now for our sin. No, there are still consequences that, that need to be paid. But the good news that we shared last week is that all sin can be forgiven. Yes. 
That's why Jesus gave up his life on the cross and shed his blood was for the, the redemption of us and, and the, the payment for our sin. And so this week in our reading, that's kind of where we left off. This week in our reading, we kind of picked up from that point and we saw how in David's life, one event after another begin to transpire and take place and, and really as a result and, and as a consequence of the sin that he, he had committed. And, and so we read 2 Samuel, I think we read like from chapter 13 to 22, 23, somewhere in that range. And, and we've seen these different things happen. And as we're reading the, the, the story in 2 Samuel, then we're taking one day and we're reading some of the Psalms that David wrote during that time. And I don't know about you, but during this, this season of reading where we're, we're reading some of the history and we're reading some of the Psalms, there are times where the Psalms are the encouraging part and the 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 story is like, oh man, like just get me through the, chrono the, the, the genealogy, right? And this person, we got that person, then we get to a psalm and it's like, thank you, Jesus. But this week was kind of flipped for me anyway. And I don't know if you're like me, but I found myself reading the, the psalms this week and just like, David, you're such a crybaby. <laughs> Did you have that thought? Like, just stop whining. I remember I was talking to Angel one morning. It's like, David's just a wine bag. Like, it feels like all he wants to do is whine. And if you didn't read, if you didn't read with us this week, would encourage you to, to start reading. But here's some of, the, some of the psalms that we read this week. And this is just the first verse of these psalms, just to give you a taste. Psalm 3, he says, Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies and so many are against me. Psalm 4, verse 1, answer me when I call to you, God who declares me innocent, free me from my troubles. Psalm 12, help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. Psalm 13, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Psalm, 20, Psalm 28, I pray to you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. Psalm 26, declare me innocent, for I have acted with integrity. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned and heard my cry. We're hearing your cry today too. Psalm 61, O God, listen to my cry, hear my prayer. Psalm 62, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. Psalm 64, O God, listen to my complaint, protect my life from my enemy's threats. Psalm 5, O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Psalm 57, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. And it's about that point where I was like, okay, David. He's lucky that I'm not God. Right? Because he's like the nagging kid. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, guess what? Hey, Dad, guess what? I remember when Jules started gymnastics, like everything was, watch this. Dad, watch. Dad, watch. And I'd be sitting there. I'm like, okay, I've seen you do cartwheels for the last 30 minutes, but I'll watch this one. And if I wasn't watching, she would wait. Dad, watch. Dad, watch. You're not watching. You're not watching. Dad, watch. Okay, now you're watching. I can do my cartwheel. Like, that's how David is like, just the bratty, naggy little kid. Like, come on, David, right? And it would be easy for us today to sit here and judge David for his whining and his nagging and his incessant crying out to God. But how many times have we been there ourselves? Right, where something's going on and it's like, God, do you even see me? God, how long will you ignore me? 
God, will you hear me? God, listen to me. God, are you there? God, can you hear me? God, hello. God, are you going to do something? God, protect me. God, deliver me. God, heal me. God, provide for me. God, do this. God, have you seen my kids? Because I haven't seen them. God, can you? God, will you? God, please, God, help. And we, we find ourselves there so often. And when we read it, at least for me, I was convicted this week. Because here I am judging David and just like, all right, stop whining. God heard you the first time. But then it caused me to like inwardly see as, we, as we've read this week, we see the consequences of David's actions. We see that his daughter was raped. We see that one son kills the other son. The brother of the daughter kills the, the one who, who had hurt her and harmed her. We see David banish his son Absalom, only to invite him back into the kingdom. And after being invited back, his son, rather than accepting the forgiveness and, and repenting of his ways, what does he do? He starts a rebellion against his dad. He starts to, to conspire with people throughout the nation of Israel that, you know, David shouldn't be king. My dad shouldn't be king. I should be king. And he, he starts this revolt to where now David, his life is in danger, so he leaves Jerusalem. Absalom comes to, to Jerusalem and takes David's concubines onto the roof of the palace and takes them into his tent where everyone can see. It's what Nathan said. You've done it to one man in private. Another is going to do it to you in public. And so David has all of this going on and his trusted advisors are turning their backs on him and, and, and his friends are becoming his enemies and he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know who he can trust. He's out there wandering around in the wilderness again. And I'm sure for David, he's having flashbacks of when Saul was chasing him. He's having flashbacks of hiding out in that cave and, and being pursued in his life, coming, coming within an inch of his life. And now here he is again and it's like, God, do you hear me, God? Do you see me, God? Will you help me, God? Please, I need you. And it's very easy for us to, to judge him, but it's different if we would be the ones living it. Like if you were that one whose friends were betraying him, if you were the one who's, you know, the, the, the ones closest to him were the ones holding the knives that were stuck in his back. If, if you were the one living through, then you would be crying out to God just, the same, because it's always, it's always when we go through the problems that the problems are always magnified. When somebody else goes through problems, it's like, get over it. Like, it's not that big of a deal, right? But then when we're the ones going through it, it's, it's the end of the world. Somebody else has a splinter and it's like, come on, you're fine. But you get a splinter. Somebody else stubs their toe. Put some ice on it. You're fine. You stub your toe. Your foot's falling off. We're going to have to amputate. You step on a Lego. Right? Like, when you go through it, everything is magnified and, and everything is so much different. We see it in David's life. There's turmoil. There's personal turmoil. There's national turmoil. There's things going on inside his home. There's things going on in the nation of Israel. And we see it in our lives. Gas prices are going up. Inflation is at record heights. There's wars around the world. Now we have monkeypox. I, I, I thought chickenpox, but now there's monkeypox. I don't even know what monkeypox is, but apparently that's a thing. We have all of these things that are 
are fighting for our attention. And, and if, we're not, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves worrying about all of these other things. And it's when we go through them that the, it's the worst thing that's ever happened. I wonder, how, I wonder how somebody who lived through World War I and the Spanish flu, think that in a period of 10 years, you had World War I, you had the Spanish flu, and then you had the Great Depression right on the heels of that. Like, I wonder who, how somebody who lived through, through that period of time would look at us complaining and crying about the price of gas or a gallon of milk or whatever the case may be. Like, really? And it's not to diminish what you're going through, and it's not to diminish the weight that you've carried in today, and it's not to diminish the things that you're concerned about, but it's to hopefully give you a little bit of perspective today. This morning, we, we see David, and he's going through a hard time in his life. And rather than judge him, my, my challenge to you today is let's learn from him. As David is concerned about a number of different things, he doesn't allow his concern to turn to worry. And I want to, I want to talk to you today about what to do with worry. Because it's okay to be concerned, but it's not okay to be worried. Time and time again in, in God's word, he, he tells us, don't worry. Jesus told his disciples, don't worry. Paul in Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Time and time again, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We can be concerned, but not worry. What's the difference? To be concerned means simply to recognize something that's going on. It's when we worry that we allow those concerns to dominate our thoughts and our actions. And so we could be concerned, but we can't worry. Worry steals our, our peace. It robs us of our joy. It keeps us paralyzed in fear rather than walking in freedom and fullness. When worry and fear are trying to bust down the doors of our minds and our hearts, we have to learn how to deal with it. And I want to give you a couple of things today and, and, and hopefully help you through God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts and to your, your lives today. Psalm 55 is where we're going to be. Verse number one, and here's what David says again. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. Have you ever been there? You ever been overwhelmed? Last couple of years, how many of you have at one time or another felt overwhelmed by the circumstances that you are facing? And those of you that aren't raising your hands are too overwhelmed to even lift your hand today. Because if we, were, if we were honest, we would say we've all been there, right? Like the, the weight of what's going on around us at times has, has been able to, to feel overwhelming to us. Verse three, look at what he says. He says, my enemies shout at me. <laughs> stop, stop yelling at me. They're making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. Verse four, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Like those two verses right there. There have been a couple of times throughout the last couple of years as either myself or Pastor Angel have preached, we've, we've talked to you about the consequences of allowing fear to control us of allowing worry to control us and anxiety to creep in. And it's not just a mental thing and it's not just an emotional thing, but there are physical consequences to being controlled by fear. 
And here, David is, is clearly outlining what those things are. My heart pounds in my chest. I shake uncontrollably. I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. He could go on and on about the physical ramifications of that, but here he says in verse number six, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Here, David goes, Jenny from Forrest Gump on us. He says, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away from here. You guys remember that scene in Forrest Gump? As I read this this week, that's all I could think about. Pray with me, Forrest, pray with me. Verse eight, he says, how quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us clearly, concisely, and directly. God, for those that are here in person, those that are watching online, Lord, we recognize that there are, are things going on around us. There are things going on in our homes. There are things going on in our lives. There are things going on in, in our nation. There are things going on in our city. There are things going on in our state. There are things going on in our world. That God, if we, if we aren't careful, we can... We can find ourselves going from a place of concern to a place of worry, and you've, you've commanded us not to worry. And so, Lord, today, as we, as we study your word, as we examine your word, as we come into your presence today, many of us with, with more than concern, but with some worry in our hearts and some worry in our minds, Lord, I pray that you would help us to cast those things upon you that we would find peace in your presence, that we would find rest under the shadow of your wings. God, that you would do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives today. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We all recognize worry. We all recognize the dangers of worry. But the question that we ask today is, so what do we do with worry? What am I supposed, when I find myself in a place where everything around me is going crazy, when I find myself in a place like David, where it seems like everyone is out to get me, where once I was, I was on this mountaintop and I was on this, this spiritual high and it was just a great time, now I find myself in a valley and I'm, I'm, I'm just heavy with concern and I'm heavy with weight and there's anxiety that's weighing me down. What is it that I'm supposed to do? I want to give you three things on what to do with worry today. And the first one is this. The first thing that we need to do is identify the source of our worry. Why are you worried? When you find yourself in that position, I want you to ask yourself why. What is it? Because until we identify the source, we can treat the symptoms, but we're not going to solve anything. It's just like when you go to the doctor, they're like, okay, well, what are your symptoms? Well, here's my symptoms. Okay, here's a pill to treat the symptoms. Okay, but what about this? What's the, what's the source of the pain? Well, I don't know what the source is, but this will make you feel better. And that helps for a period of time. But if you're not able to identify and treat the source of the pain, then you're going to continue to be in the cycle of pain and medication and pain and medication. And it's the same thing for us emotionally. It's the same thing for us mentally. We can treat symptoms all day, but we have to learn to identify the source and ask yourselves why. David was able to identify the source, right? 
Verse three, he says, it's my enemies. They're shouting threats against me. They're, they're hunting me down. They're coming to get me. My life is in danger. I feel like I'm in peril. He, he said, that is the source. God, God, hear my cry. Here's the source of my, of my worry. Here's the source of my concern. Here's the source of my frustration. It's all of these people around me. But even, even beyond that, he goes on from there in verse 12. And he says, it's not my enemies. He kind of talks himself through this process of like, okay, God, hear me because I'm in danger, I'm in trouble, I'm overwhelmed. And it's my enemies that are shouting against me and it's those that are pursuing me. But he, he gets to a point in verse 12 where he says, it's not my enemies, it's my friends. He said, it's not a foe that's chasing me because if it was a foe, I'd be able to handle it. I'd expect it from a foe. He said, it's not my foe, it's my companion. It's not my... It's not my enemy that's chasing me down. It's my son. It's not a foreign king that has stabbed me in the back and betrayed me. It's my closest advisor. He said, that's really the source of it. See, when you're going through something, it's, it's easy to identify the symptoms of your worry, but it's harder to identify what it is you're truly worried about. Well, I'm worried that gas prices are high and I'm worried that the groceries are getting expensive. Is that really what you're worried about? Or are you really worried that you're not gonna be able to provide for your family? And if that's the case, then a simple redirect because you're not your provider. God's your provider. See, when you get down to the, to the root of the worry, it takes the pressure off of us because there's, there's nothing I can do about gas prices other than ride a bike or buy a horse. Like, there's nothing I can do about the price of groceries other than <laughs> dig up my grass and plant some corn in my backyard. There, there's nothing I can do. So, so there's a lot, of, a lot of internal pressure on me when I try and treat the symptoms, but then when I get to the root of it and understand that I'm not really worried about these things, what I'm really worried about is providing for my family. Then I can go to God's word and find that I'm not my provider anyway, but he promised that he would always provide. So then it, it frees me up. Are you, are you really worried about these arguments you're getting into with your spouse? Or are you really worried that this marriage is going to end up like your last marriage? Are you, are you really worried that you haven't gotten married yet at this point in your life? Or are you really worried that you're going to be lonely forever? Like, what is the real source of the worry? What is the real source of the weight that you carry today? And it's different for everybody. I can't tell you what your source is. Something that, that's something you're going to have to discover on your own and through prayer and allowing God to speak into that. But I, but I do know that each of us carries a weight. Each of us has brought something in here today. Each of us is in a place where there is something that is knocking on the door. There is fear and worry knocking on the door of our hearts. If we haven't already let it in, that would love nothing more than to come in and rob you of your joy and rob you of your peace and rob you of the fullness of living the abundant life in Christ. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to identify what it is that is, is causing us to worry. The second thing that we have to do is we have to cast our worries on the Lord. So what David does in Psalm 55, verse 22, look at, what, look at what he says. He says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So he's gone through this, 
this process of, of laying out all of these things, why he's worried, what he hopes happens to his enemies. And God, I, I pray that you would, you would bring vengeance upon them. And he gets to this point in verse 22. He says, but, but I have to give, now go back. He says, I have to give it to God. I have to give my care to God because when I give it to God, he will take care of me. And when God takes care of me, he's not gonna let me slip and fall. That's the promise. The responsibility on us is to give it to God. The responsibility on God at that point is to take care of us. And I don't know about you, but God has been faithful to, to perform everything that he's promised to do in my life. And he's the, the same in yours as well. But we have to come to this point of, of giving it to God. First Peter chapter five, you can go and put that verse up there now. It tells us this, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Let's leave this up here for a second. How many of our cares and worries are we to give? All of them. How do we do that? We see it in this verse. The first step is to humble ourselves. The first step of giving our cares to God is to do so with humility. Why is, what does humility have to do with worry? I would say everything. Because if we're not humble and we allow pride to come in, then that makes us think that, you know what? I'll take care of it. I'll deal with it. I'll figure it out. Man, how many times have you said that? Because we're fixers. That's what we do. Show me a problem and I'll fix it. Those of you that are married, this is just free, just free for you. Something that I've learned when your wife comes to you with the problem, she's not always looking for you to fix it. I remember there's times Angel would come. She's like, I got this going on, this going on. Be like, well, you need to do this and you need to do this. She's like, I don't want your advice. I just want you to listen. Like, if you don't want my advice, then why are you sharing this with me? Because you're my partner, stupid, right? Like, when they bring something, they don't always want us to fix But as men, what do we want to do? We want to fix stuff. Let's make it better. And so when we find ourselves in a hard time, either of our own making or the making of others or just a season of life because we're fallen people living in a fallen world, what do we try and do? Fix it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to figure it out. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get her done. That's the wrong attitude to have. The right attitude to have is an attitude of humility and a posture of humility that says, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I can't do it on my own. And God, unless you help me in this situation and unless you help me in this circumstance, I'm just going to make even more of a mess than I already have. And so in humility, God, I come to you and I, I give it to you. See, we have to humble ourselves. Stop letting your pride get in the way of walking in peace. Stop letting pride rob you of joy by allowing worry to, to continue to dominate your, your thoughts and dominate your actions. See, when we're, when we're full of pride, God's standing there and he's ready to help. But what do we say? It's okay, God, I've got this. And when you tell God you've got this, what does God do? All right, 
Because he's not Steven Seagal. He's not going to bust through the doors of your life. What does he do? He stands at the door and knocks like a gentleman. You have to like, welcome him in. And so we say, God, I've got this. And God says, okay, I'm sorry. I should have known. You put the stars in the sky. Oh, no, that was me. No, you're right. You do have this because you're the one. Oh, no, that was me. That's a conversation he had with Job. Job, where were you? Where were you when all of this happened? Where were you when all of this was created? Where were you when I did this? Where were you? Where, do you know where the sun goes to bed? Do you know where the moon rises from? Do you know the storehouses of the rain and the snow? No, of course you don't know those things, Job. Only I do, but I'm sorry, you go ahead. And God does that. God, I've got this. Rather than God, will you help me? I remember there was a time where, I've shared this story before, Jace had a had a school trip to the, the skating rink and there was, a, there was a little girl in the class that he had his eye on and she had his eye on him. And so we go to the skating rink and he puts the skates on. He starts skating around and looked like a, looked like a newborn baby giraffe. <laughs> you, ever see, you ever seen them? They get out just all legs, just all over the place, flopping around and falling on the ground. Like that's what he looked like on the skating rink. Not that I'm a professional skater or anything, but at least I can stand up. And so... So we're skating around. He's falling all over the place. I'm like, Jace, let me, let me help you. And this is like, Jace, like eighth grade at this point. I'm like, Jace, let me hold you. No, I was just kidding. It was like kindergarten. <laughs> but Jace, let me help you. And he says, no, dad, I've got it. But I can help you. No, dad, I've got it. Remember, there's a girl in the class. And so I just went and sat off to the side. I remember sitting there watching him skate around like a baby giraffe, just falling and getting frustrated. And he's got bruises on his knees. And just like, I can help you if you would just let me. This doesn't have to go like this. It doesn't have to be this painful. Like there, there's more to it if you would just allow me to help. And it wasn't until he said, okay, dad, I need your help. And then it was like, sweet, now like, I can scoop into the rescue and, and salvage this day. And we had fun. We, had, we ended up having a great day. But God is the same way. When we're going through a hard time and we're like, God, I've got it. Thank you. I, I can take care of this. God's like, okay, but I'm, I'm here if you need me. I'm here when you're ready to humble yourself. I'm here when you're ready to ask for it. I'm, I'm here to, to step in and save the day if you would just ask. Stop trying to save yourself because you can't. Stop trying to fix all your problems because you can't. Stop trying to make it all better because you can. Only God can, and it's only when we humble ourselves and give it to him that we can. The second thing that this scripture tells us to do, it says to humble ourselves, but then it says to give, to cast. That word cast means to throw. Literally, the, the picture in your mind needs to be throwing all of your worries on God. Don't feel guilty about it because that's what he told you to do. Cast, throw, get rid of, lay them down. See, the, the Bible doesn't say tell all of your worries to God. It says cast and give all of your worries to God. See, what I've found is that we're, we're really good at telling God all of our worries. We're very bad at giving our worries to him. 
We're very good at coming to God and, and like David, God, my enemies are chasing me. My kids are acting a fool. My husband's a jerk. My boss doesn't understand. The bill collectors are calling me. There's more money going out than coming in. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. Like we're very good at telling God what we're worried about, but we're not very good at telling him, giving him, and then leaving them. We come and say, God, here's what I'm worried about. And then at the end of that time, we say, all right, amen. And we pick up all of those things that we brought to God and we take them back with us. And we wonder why we're still way down, why I prayed about that. Yeah, you told God, but did you give it to him? You told God, but did you leave those things there or did you pick them up and, and continue to carry them with you? See, we need to cast our cares. We need to give our worries. How do, we, how do we do that by giving up control? Really, that's what it is. Because you're not going to forget about those things. You're going to get up and they're still going to be there. You're going to get up and the, the temptation to worry and, and allow fear in is, is still going to be there. But the way to give those to God is to let go of them and give him control of them. God, you, you do it. God, I'm, I'm taking the pressure off of me. I'm stepping off of the throne of my heart and I'm, I'm allowing you control. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a part to play. It doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility, but your responsibility at that point is being obedient to God, not fixing your problem. God, I give this to you. You're gonna make it all right. I don't know how, but your word says you cause all things to work together for the good. And so I give you control of this situation. Now tell me what you want me to do in this situation. And as we do, the pressure of fixing it is gone. And now the freedom to just be obedient to God is there. And it's in that process that, that now we begin to find ourselves worrying less. I'm still concerned because I still see it, but it's not dominating my thoughts because I know God's got it under control. It's not dominating my actions because I don't have to fix it. I just have to be obedient to God. It's not weighing me down to the point where my heart is pounding out of my chest because I can rest peacefully in his shadow knowing that he's not going to cause me to slip or fall. If I truly believe, if I truly believe God's word, and really like that's what it comes down to. If I, if I really believe God's word, if I really trust him, if I really believe he's going to be faithful to do what he said he would do, then why am I fretting and why am I worrying and why am I giving so much energy and attention and effort and, and time and emotion to all of these things that God said he would work out if I would just remain in him? That's what it looks like to, to give. Some of you need to start giving. Stop telling and start, start relinquishing control of some of those things. We need, to, we need to give our worries. Matthew chapter six, Jesus himself said, don't worry. He says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. God knows what you have need of. He says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things would be added unto you. He says, how, how many of you can add a single day to your life by worrying? Nobody. So why are you doing it? We spend so much time in a state of worry and panic and fear 
when he is the Prince of Peace, when he is our provider, when he has ordained each and every one of our steps before, before anyone, every day before anyone came to pass. There's no, no need to worry. There's no reason to worry. So we need to identify the source of worry. We need to, to cast our worries upon him. And then the third thing that we need to do is we need to replace our worry with worship. There needs to be this, this transaction where before what dominated my thoughts and my attention was worry, now what dominates my thoughts and attention is worship. Before I spent my time and my energy worrying, now I spend my time and my energy worshiping. So what he says in, in verse 16, Psalm 55, verse 16, he says, I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. This isn't just Sunday mornings between 9 and 10.30. This isn't just Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. This isn't just when I, when I decide to flip through the radio stations and there's nothing on the oldie station, and so I guess I'll check the Christian station, even though it's the same song that they had five minutes ago on. Some, some of you got that because you listen to Christian radio. The rest of you don't listen to Christian radio. That's why you didn't laugh. But we need to replace our worry with worship. He says, morning, noon, and night. Every second of every day, I will worship you. The Bible says to, to pray without ceasing. That means to, to constantly be in relationship with him, intimacy with him, in communion with him, talking to him, speaking to him, recognizing his presence everywhere that we go. To borrow from our, our future reading, there's a story in 2 Chronicles. And in 2 Chronicles, there's a, a king in Judah by the name of Jehoshaphat. And king Jehoshaphat, he, he's at a point where there's three armies that have, have gathered to, to come against Judah and to come against the army of Judah. And he, he doesn't know what to do. He, he's not sure what's going to happen. He knows that he's outmatched. He knows that he's outnumbered. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, here's, he, he gathers the people together and he prays a very simple prayer. And I think that it would behoove us to, to take this prayer and start praying it ourselves. In those times where we feel like we don't know what's going to happen, those times we feel overwhelmed, those times like David, our heart is beating out of our chest, and, and God, I don't have the answers. We need to just pray this prayer. Here's what he says. He says, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Three very simple things in this prayer. Number one, I'm powerless. Number one, I don't have the, I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the understanding. I don't have all of the answers. I don't know. I'm nothing, God. I'm powerless in this situation. God, I don't know what to do. But I'm looking to you for help. And as he goes to God and he prays this very simple prayer, God tells him what to do. And he, he tells them, I want you to, to gather the entire name. I want you to gather the people and I want you to march to the enemy's camp. And as you go into the enemy's camp, I, I want you to march shouting, singing, and praising. And I want you to put the worshipers on the front lines. And I'm sure Jehoshaphat was like, well, like David never did that. He always had his mighty men go first. 
David always had the warriors go first. God, why are, why are we sending the, the trumpet players out first? That doesn't seem very smart. But what the Bible tells us is that as they went out and as they went out worshiping, God gave them the victory. It says in verse 22, a couple verses later, that at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the very moment they began to worship, the Lord caused the armies to start fighting amongst themselves. The very moment they began to worship, something shifted. The very moment they began to worship, something changed. See, worship isn't just three songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. Worship is a weapon for you. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is something that regardless of how you're feeling, you should be actively engaging in. And and I don't feel like worship because I'm too worried and there's too many things that are weighing me down. That's precisely the moment that you need to start worshiping. We need to get back to a place of understanding the power that happens when we worship. Today, some of you need to replace your worry with worship. Well, why? What's the difference? The difference is when I worry, my focus is on my problems. When I worry, my focus is on me. But when I worship, my focus is on him. Today, I don't know what you came in here with. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back this morning. I don't know what weight you came in carrying. I don't know what concerns you have. I don't know what worries or what fears you've been dealing with this week, the last couple of weeks, the last few months, the last couple of years. There are some that the last couple of years have have taken its toll on you, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, There's a weight that you've been carrying that you were not created to carry. Today, as we we see in David's life, all of these things begin to happen, and and it's like a snowball. You you ever made a snowman? How do you start building a snowman? One little snowball. You take that ball, and you roll it, and as you roll it, it picks up more snow, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. And we see this snowball effect in... David's life. I've seen the snowball effect in my life. I've seen it in bad ways when I've made decisions and tried to cover them up like David did. I've seen it bring destruction when I've tried to fix my problems and and thought that I was the fixer of all things and in my pride refused to ask God or others from help. But I've also seen a snowball of grace. seen a snowball of God's faithfulness. When I chose to get off the throne of my heart, say, God, I don't know anything. God, I'm powerless. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you for help. And as I did that, and as I do that daily, I try to do that every day. I've seen God's snowball effect of grace and mercy and faithfulness and provision and his goodness and his favor and things that I don't deserve. And it's like, God, I just wanted you, I just wanted you to fix this one thing, but, but God, you did so much more. God, I was just asking you for this, but you, you provided so much more that I didn't even know that I needed. 
This morning, I don't know what you're carrying. But my prayer today is that you would stop. I don't know what worry you've allowed into your heart and into your mind to the point that it keeps you up at night and causes your heart to beat a little faster and your hands to get a little sweaty and dominates your thoughts and your actions and your attitudes. And you find yourself being short-tempered with people around you. People are starting to ask, what's going on? What's the matter? What's wrong? You don't seem like yourself. It's the worry that is weighing you down. Today, my encouragement don't just hear God's word today and then leave and do nothing with it. That you would hear God's word and be a doer of his word. When he tells you to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, know that he cares for you and he wants you to give him those things. We read about Jehoshaphat and it's like, oh yeah, worship. That's a good idea. I should probably worship more and worry less. And stop being late to church. Some of you are like, we sing three songs during worship. I thought it was just two. No, you just missed the first one. Like worship's not important. Well, that's when I get my coffee and my donut. You get your coffee and your donut afterwards. We put such a priority on, on the message and we should. It's good. At least I think it's good. I hope it's good. <laughs> But we let worship just be one of those things that if we miss it, we miss it and it's not that big of a deal. Today, stop worrying and start worshiping. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask you if you would just stand where you're at. I've asked the worship team to come back and we've got time. It's still early, calm down. Don't be turning around to check the clock. Here's what we're gonna do. They're gonna come back and they're gonna lead us in a song. Earlier we sang, I run to the Father, fall into grace. Done with the hiding, there's no reason to wait. And today, if you're here and you say, Pastor John, this message has been for me. There's this, this weight that's been weighing me down. I've been giving myself to worry. I've allowed fear and anxiety to creep in, but today, I don't just want to tell God about those things. I want to give them, I want to cast them. I want to, to give up control of them and allow God to do what only God can do. And today I wanna to replace my worry with worship. I'm gonna ask you right now, if you would step out of your seat and just come find a place to worship right now. That's, that's, the, only, that's the only invitation that I'm going to give. For those of you that are struggling with worship, come all the way down. You can come to the middle too, it's okay. Come all the way down. And we're just gonna spend some time in worship. We're gonna spend time giving those things to God. We're gonna spend time telling him what that is and giving up control. And for the rest of you, those of you that are, are still sitting out in your seats, I'm assuming that by you staying out there, you're saying, listen, I'm good. There's nothing on my mind. There's no concerns that I have. There's no worries that I have. I'm at complete peace in my home and with everything that's going on around me. And if that's you, I wanna to talk to you afterwards and find out how you got to that place. But for the rest of us humans that are looking around and are struggling 
and the weight of life sometimes can feel like it's overwhelming, we're just gonna spend some time in worship. So I would invite you to come this morning as the worship team leads us. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.